Oh, it's the Roller Out the Barrel Show. I am your host, the Barrel Roller, Matthew Bernard. Uh, we talk to Finnish baseball players from coast to coast, border to border. We're right in the middle of America tonight on the first end of this. Then we're going to go out to California for a little bit at the end of it. Uh, but before we go on, uh, uh, let me introduce my co-host, the Shangri-La of the Lala's, uh, Rudy Swamp Fox Frias. Uh, Rudy, busy week. You got a lot going on today, do you? Rudy, if you were stuck on an island and you had nothing to eat but insects, what would be the first insect you would eat? He's not the best co-host in the world for nothing. Anyway, it is our pleasure to uh, bring in to the Roller Heart of the Barrel Show this week. It's Bob Boomer Bear uh, from the Iron Horses of the Erie Railway in Dayton, Ohio, Bob, how you doing? Hey, doing very well. Thanks uh, for uh, the invite. I appreciate that very much. Uh, no problem. Uh, we have a mission statement on this podcast, and that's to interview every single vintage baseball player. So you're just another guy on the list. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Are you are you moving to the C's after the B's? That's all you know. <laughs> no, I don't have a system. That's way too organized. Okay. <laughs> I just I throw a dart at a map of the United States, <laughs> much like the Bay City Rollers did when they came up with their name. Did you know Fair that? enough. I, I like I like that. Uh but you know what? The theme song for my podcast. I did not find appropriate to introduce you. So let's try this again. Because I know things about you, Bob. <laughs> I know things. Uh, you do. <laughs> from what I understand, you are a huge Star Wars nerd. Is this correct? Uh, that That... You have heard very uh, correctly. I don't know if it's your Jedi mind powers you're using on me right now, but indeed, uh, I am a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> Let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10 nerdiness, how high would you rate your nerdiness on Star Wars? I, you know, I'm going I'm to be honest. I, I'm going to go with uh, a modest 8. Um, I did attend a, a uh, trivia contest one day, and it made me realize that uh, I have more nerdum to really be a, an expert. I, I don't know. I forgot the, the gas that they mine on Bespin, and I, I apologize to everyone out there for not knowing that. Wait, 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 wait. Is that the only question you got <laughs> wrong in this trivia? Well, pretty much. But, it, I mean, that's, that's a tough one, right? Like, not a lot of people know that. Right. I don't know that. I'm also not a <laughs> Star Wars nerd. I'm more of a Trekkie, and I'm not a Star Wars or a Star Trek nerd either, but uh, I do later on for fun in the second half uh, of this episode, I got some Star Wars trivia for you. Oh boy. We're going to test that. We're going to test that nerd dumb. And uh, if you do really well, then we're going to let people uh, on future shows come in and challenge you 
uh, for the oh, title man. of biggest Star Wars nerd. So that'll be good. Fair. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hey, Bob, uh, there's something I wanted to talk to you about as we get into vintage baseball. That's why everybody listens to the show. Uh, and before we go on and talk about you, this is a show about you. It's a good opportunity for everybody to get to know you. So please don't hold back on anything. But in our communications with each other back and forth, you told me Earl McDaniel had stepped away from vintage baseball. Am I not allowed to say that? You are allowed to say he has stepped away from uh, social media and it's uh i luckily i have his phone number still uh, i know where he lives so i can track him down from time to time but it is it is true and very sad uh for the team to uh have him step away uh but uh he went out on his terms wanted to go out on top and not drag the team down although it would take many many more years for him to even possibly uh drag us down in any way shape or form but uh, i respect his decision and uh we are we are continuing on the best we can uh, without said Mr. McDaniel. And uh, so he, he went off the grid. He didn't just, he just, he, did. he didn't retire from baseball. He retired from people. <laughs> you know, he had a great point. He, he was afraid that uh, we would lure him back or another team. There were many teams once they found out that reached out and said, well, you know, we're going to have some openings on these certain dates. If you wouldn't mind subbing for us. And he knew that was going to continue. So for him, uh, I think that was his best uh, option to step completely away to avoid that temptation. Oh, well, every weekend there's there's clubs that have three or four guys that say, you know what, <laughs> I got something else to do. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I still, I haven't played in a couple of years now, and I still get people sending me messages asking me to play. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, you know, I saw Earl do some uh, umpiring. I would have thought that he would have maybe did some umpiring. Do you guys have your own umpire? Uh, we have in the past. Uh, all of them have retired. Uh, the, our latest umpire, um, actually him and his wife, who also umpired for us, uh, had their first child. And they are taking time off to uh, tend to the, the baby. Um, and uh, I respect that decision as well. Hopefully that we will get them back uh, at some point. Bob, you respect a lot of decisions. Can you tell me a decision you don't respect? <laughs> you know, I, you know what? It's a good. It's a. I like this because I'm going to tell you. When I first started playing, we we do things very differently than most clubs. Uh, anyone who's played us knows this uh, from our not inability to catch a ball. Although that's kind of common anymore uh, in Ohio, I think. <laughs> no offense to my fellow teammates, but. Uh, we drew cards for the batting order uh, when we played vintage baseball. We don't do a traditional start, you know, lineup as you're batting one, two, three, four. We draw cards. And I didn't understand why we did it uh, originally, but our coach Earl had a great idea that you can't bruise any egos when you're the one who drew the position you were hitting. So it was an interesting idea. It's easy to bruise egos. Uh, yes. it, it's funny you tell me that because I have no knowledge of, uh, of this system, but I've, I actually incorporated this system at the, uh, Michigan vintage baseball festival on the Friday night before we would do a captain's match. And how do you do a batting order with a team full of captains? <laughs> uh, 
the captains are the most organized uh, plot of the bunch and the most competitive usually and um, and also with the biggest egos. Let's face it, they're the captains. I mean, so how do you, <laughs> how are you supposed to say, okay, figure out a lineup? So that's what I would do is they would show up and they would draw a card and boom, that's your lineup. So it's a great idea. I didn't steal it, uh, and uh, but everybody should steal it. Uh, for certain for certain situations yeah uh it works out nicely bob how you are i believe you're about 49 years old almost 50 um a little bit over now i i did hit uh 52 about a month ago so oh i was looking at old data yeah. uh yeah i'm That's 50 okay. i'm 51 <laughs> i know your pain i know your pain <laughs> Don't you look in the mirror every day expecting it to look a little different now? You're just like, okay, here it comes. I'm lucky to make it to the mirror some morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm just expecting I, wrinkles you know, every day. You know, it is. It's just, I, there's some more gray, and, you know, it's just, uh, and it seemed like it came out of nowhere. I look back at some of the, when we first started this team, I looked back at the pictures and I couldn't believe it really was. 2016 when we started playing and, and it blows my mind that that i didn't have gray i, I and not much uh but now i look back and uh my more recent photos i'm like well who's the old guy they took this photo of and i realized it's me so <laughs> there's that you know <laughs> did you have uh you started in two, 2016 with the start of this club did you have any vintage baseball experience before that um I hadn't, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, here in Dayton, we have the Cloud Busters and, and, uh, a team, uh, a guy I played softball with years and years ago. And he said, Hey, we're playing in Dayton. Would you like to come play some baseball? I said, sure. Yeah. It was the, uh, I think it was the new Richmond Generals who, uh, they're part of uh, a different team. They kind of combined, uh, with the Black Bottom Nine, but, uh, they invited me up and I got out and I was like, well, what do I wear? You know, I don't understand this baseball thing. He goes, wear jeans. And I thought, okay, this is going to be weird because I've never worn jeans to a baseball game before. So I said, whatever, that's fine. I got there and the guys were great. You know how vintage guys are. And, and, and I, and I started to get my glove out and the captain at the time looked at me and said, well, what are you doing with that? I was like, well, how am I going to catch the ball? And he goes, with your bare hands. And I went, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but in that same fall, uh, they have the tip cup every year with Sean Sugden. Um, and uh, they asked me to play again. I guess I didn't uh, do too badly. And uh, that's when I got Earl and another guy, Sparky, who uh, also retired uh, into the game. And we, we loved it. Uh, absolutely loved it. So we, we just made the team. And going strong for in your eighth year. Uh, now, uh, when you look at the uh, Iron Horses schedule, what is your uh, Super Bowl, so to speak? What's the big event every year for the Iron Horses? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, we are a – each year we get to go to the Mayor's Cup in Upper Sandusky, and uh, the Shane family puts on just a fantastic – event every year uh, weather this year was fantastic as well uh, that, that's probably one of uh, and you know i can't speak for everyone but everyone seems, seems to show up for that one uh, we really enjoy that one and, and maybe ohio cup now we only do 
Ohio Cup every other year, uh, being an in-state team. But we both of those are really some of our favorites. I hear, I've never been to uh, the Maris Cup, but I hear the venue is a, a great place to actually play the game. Uh, describe, there's more than one field, but what's the main field look like at the Maris Cup in Upper Sandusky? Well, it's it's a beautiful layout. Um, there's nice paths around so people walk by and stop and check the games out. It's a very nice and open field, very flat. Uh, you'll find a couple of holes every now and then, uh, the hard way usually. Uh, but uh, it's it, the, the fields are kind of set up back to back, and and uh, there's four fields you have set up at any given time, depending on the number of teams. And it's just a beautiful park, quiet park. Um, there is the infamous uh, mower who comes out every year on Sunday and goes up and down this hill and mows whether he needs it or not. So we look forward to seeing our mowing friend every year as we visit. <laughs> and I don't want to ignore the Iron Horses home field. I've never been to that one either. Could you describe to everybody what that looks like? Absolutely. So we are nestled, and I do mean nestled, way at the bottom of the park. It's a community park in Fairborn, Ohio, and there is a, uh, a disc golf course, uh, kind of is where you tell people to go. There's soccer fields down at the bottom. Uh, there's uh, a baseball, actual diamond down there. We do not play on the diamond, of course. We play in the open grass field where they practice uh, soccer usually. A nice open venue. It is sunny, it is hot, and it is a low area, and there is no breeze whatsoever in the summer. So when you come in the summertime, expect to sweat a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. This last weekend uh, was pretty hot here in Michigan. There were lots of stories of uh, uh, the water just not staying in the body and the, the pine tar on the bats getting stick all uh, not sticky, slimy. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, did you, uh, did you play last weekend? Was that the mayor's cup last weekend? It, it was. Yes. Uh, how was the heat for you guys down there? You know, it, it uh, there were some storms that brewed a little bit. They didn't come as far North as what we were here in Ohio. So we, we got the luxury of some of the wind and, and the, and the weather, but we didn't get any of the rain. So it cooled it down. Sun oh. kind of went behind clouds and, it worked out really, really well. I You couldn't ask for much better weather, honestly. And those are the days you're glad you didn't find something better to do. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. You get those guys, uh, every club's got them, that, that are last minute they cancel, and you're on the field in, in beautiful, perfect baseball weather, and you're like, you losers. You totally <laughs> screwed the pooch on this one. You're going to show up yeah. on a cold day or a, an extra hot day, and you could have been playing in this. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely right. Bob, let's go back uh, to when you were just a wee stormtrooper uh, <laughs> in your very first, and, and I haven't come across anybody yet who doesn't have stories of when their first memories of baseball playing in the neighborhood. Now, I'm not talking about when you joined little league, if you did or not, I'm talking yeah. about playing with the kids in the neighborhood. You can't find 17 other guys to play baseball with. You just can't. 
So you're you're getting what you can and doing what you can equipment wise, uh, location wise, rule wise. What did it look like when you were playing baseball in your neighborhood? So my parents had uh, we lived out kind of in the we call the country now, um, and uh, there was lots of land. And so what we did to improvise is we didn't want to chase the ball around. Uh, we're we're kind of lazy kids, I guess. As it turns out, uh, but we'd be out all day. And what we did we were more into the wiffle ball than the baseball because it didn't go as far. Mm -hmm. So we, we mowed the grass in to a diamond and it went both North and South, depending on how the wind blew. And we'd always pitch into the, into the wind and hit uh, against the wind. So it made it a little bit more difficult. So it was, uh, you know, we took our, we took our time. We really, you know, took the infield down lower than the outfield. And then we had a wall. Oh, my. The higher grass was the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a dream that one day we could afford the uh, the fencing that you see in a lot of, like, temporary construction sites. Yeah. I really wanted to have that up. <laughs> and we, we, never got, we never got it. But, you know, it was kids from the neighborhood, they would all come and play. Uh, you know, the stories of the people on the bicycles and they, they knew it was time to come home when it was dark. All of those things were very true for that. And, and I tell you, it was uh, a lot of fun. I, kids now, when, when I call them kids, but they're, you know, my age now. But anytime I run into them, that's one of the first things they say. You know, man, I love coming over playing wiffle ball with you guys. We, as much as they could do it, we did it. So, in uh, what town was that that you grew up in? Uh, it's. Sugar Creek Township, uh, Bellbrook area. Um, so it's uh, kind of not too far from Xenia, which uh, anyone who's uh, fans of weather may know Xenia from, unfortunately, two pretty bad tornadoes that hit. Uh, one, I think it was in 1971 or 72. Uh, that was a really big one. And then and one, I can't remember the other year the other one hit, but uh, about the same spots, actually. Kind of scary, but... Uh, Luckily, we were out of the way. We were far enough away that we didn't get uh, hit by it. But uh, fortunately, a lot of people did. When is the last time that you physically saw this field? Uh, well, I still go out to my mom's. Uh, unfortunately, my dad's no longer with us. But uh, I, I go out to my mom's and we we see it. It's all grown up now. There's not, you know, there's no remnants left, unfortunately. But uh, every, every time I go out, it's... Uh, I, I see us out there playing, so it's pretty cool. Now, did you move on and play any organized baseball as a youngster? I did. Uh, uh, Dad uh, would have me go out and throw. My my practice was at home, throwing 100 balls up in the air and catching it to, to really start getting better and better at, at the baseball. And He coached us in Little League all the way up through. I played in high school, uh, was not good enough to play in co college at all. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was actually probably just about maybe 10 years ago that I realized that uh, we didn't have cameras and rings and all that back then. So I probably could have uh, told him I threw the ball 100 times and caught it and not actually did it. But every day I was out there doing it, you know. Uh, when I was in Little League, I had my – I'm asking you – for what is your best little league memory personally? Like your biggest, I'm going to let you flex a little bit, Bob, but I want you to think about it a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to think about it. My best little league memory is uh, the game. It was in the playoffs, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the championship game. 
and there was a guy on third at the bottom of whatever. I think we played seven innings. I don't remember. Uh, I came up, and I hit a hard ground ball up the middle for a single into center field, scoring the run and winning the game. I was so excited, and then I found out that my my best friend who was on the team and his dad, who was the coach, they videotaped that game. And so I went over to their house to watch this video. And I have, I tell you, I've been on cloud nine since I got this hit. Cause I feel like, I feel like I'm a, I'm the, I'm the man. And I, Absolutely. I, I see this video. I hit the ball directly to the shortstop and it went five hole on him. It was an easy it was an easy out and he just whiffed on it. And I'm like, you know, that's that. I didn't want to see that. Now I don't have that, that, uh, arrogance now anymore. So, uh, Bob, now that I've stalled long enough, your, your, your best personal little league memory. So I'm going to go with, uh, you know, uh, believe it or not, uh, the tip city manager, Sean, uh, Sugden and I, we have connections that we didn't know about. His uncle uh, was my coach when I was a little league, and uh, we had uh, some practices. And finally, I got up into a game, and practice paid off because each time I would come up, I bat left-handed, and each time I would come up, I would get beamed uh, when uh, when uh, we were practicing. And I thought he had it out for me for sure. And I turns out he just can't pitch the left-handed hitters very well. <laughs> well, I come up in a game, and uh, sure enough, uh, person's on, base is loaded. I get beamed, score the winning run, because I'm standing there, and I get hit by the ball. So I think the practice that shows that when you practice, it really it really pays off in the game, in the games. That's what the coach told me. I don't know. Maybe it was <laughs> his way of making me feel better, uh, but that, that was uh, – that was one I, I actually remember, and I really enjoyed doing. Uh, this last Sunday, yesterday, you guys had uh, two matches. Um, did they happen? They did not. Uh, the rains, unfortunately, came. Um, it's one of the instances where, uh, for some reason, when we, tr- when we tried to play our uh, Springfield team uh rain lightning and the gods of thunder come down and prevent us from playing uh for some reason i don't know why it's there they have it out for us but uh i really miss playing uh with those guys up at springfield because they're a, a fantastic team they're they're great competitors uh their team is uh ben has done a fantastic job with their their team they've gotten younger they've got some really really and i'm not saying this just because i'm left-handed but they get some really good left-handed hitters on that team you are saying it because you're left-handed. But. I, I might be. I might, I might, I might be. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Left-handed batter, you ever play at uh, Greenfield Village where they do the World's Tournament, but they have the year-long uh, program? Have you ever played there? I, you know, I have not, and that is something I wanted to – I figure you may ask some of my favorite places to play where I haven't wanted – you know, where I've wanted to play and I've never got to. That is the – one on my list I have not gotten to play that I want to play at. That's the only one. I think I've played everywhere else I'd like, but that one, and it's not that far from where I am. So shame on me uh, for not trying to get up there, but uh, I have not played there yet. Well, if you ever have a weekend off from vintage baseball, they have games every weekend. They're not just the world's tournament, but uh, every Saturday and Sunday, actually. 
But uh, and then of course the world's tournament, which it looks like you are busy against the Barons in Lexington, Kentucky that weekend. Uh, oh wait, that's probably a longer drive. No, 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 I... no. I'm trying to think now. Nope. Uh, I think I have my dates mixed up. I'm going to Boston, but the week before I go to Boston. Because I'm going to the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival, and I don't remember the date of that off the top of my head. But I'm going to Boston on August 13th. I could swear that the World's Tournament is that weekend. So the 12th and 13th. I don't know if that's off. Uh, you know what? Don't listen to me, Bob. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have so many dates and so much stuff going on in my head in vintage baseball. I can't even keep it straight. I got the Akron cup coming up. Uh, I'm doing stuff with that. I got things I want to do next year. You know, one thing I wanted to do was bring 1880s baseball to the Midwest for a little bit. That that's fallen on the back burner. Cause I just don't have the kind of time that requires. No, I understand. I am an all in I am a I am an all in hundred percent kind of guy, and if I can't give something a hundred percent, it's getting zero percent. It's a fault of my personality. I'm not a fifty percent guy. I wish I I wish I could hey, give the, some of that. Do you find yourself to be you that know, way, or can you multitask, Bob? Because I can't. Um, you know, I I, I can, but it it just doesn't. You don't get the like you said. You don't get the percentage that you need. You don't. It just it feels unfulfilling, right? Like you you started, but you can't quite get that done. And so, yeah, I would say uh, let's get the let's get the task done and then move to the next one. I'm looking at your schedule here. Uh, you know, you guys are located in the fun belt where all the teams get along and everybody uh, enjoys seeing each other. And it's uh, I always <laughs> refer to it as the fun belt. Uh, I think you got to, yeah, next, your next match is against uh, the Mattingly brothers for crying out loud. How, I it mean, is. That's, that's fun just in itself. Uh, you got some Ohio. You have the Indian Creek distillery coming up on July 23rd. That's the muffins. And this says question marks. Oh, I yeah. Wish, I, yeah. I wish there was a team called the question marks. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when we go out there, I have some questions myself. So maybe that, maybe that's us. <laughs> but uh, the Indian Creek Distillery is such a nice place to play. Unfortunately, they're doing some renovations on the building, and we are not going to be able to play there this year. They assured me that they are going to open a, an area of field back up uh, once it's completed, but they are booming in business right now. I like to think it's because we brought all the alcoholics with us because they really enjoy drinking, watching us play. But um, they are doing a fantastic business, and uh, so it's it's awesome to see them uh, continue to grow, and we'll be a part of it when they're ready to invite us back, for sure. And I see that you're playing in Sharonville at the Historic Village against the Red Stockings. I was there uh, last year. That's a great place, but I was not there when they were fully operational. Like, they're limited staff. It was the beginning of the season. It was first match of the season you're going to be there when it's in full swing with all the volunteers and everything going on. Uh, that's gotta be a fun it, place to play when all that's going on. It is. Uh, I, it's very, uh, if anyone has been to the Ohio history center, it's very similar to how that's set up. Uh, lots of buildings that walk through. Um, it's, it's, it's 
like you step back in time and, and everyone there is very warm and welcoming. So fantastic facility. Uh, and if anyone who has not been, uh, around the Cincinnati area, definitely check that out because, uh, it, 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 it's worth the, it's absolutely worth the price of admission just to walk through the buildings and see all of, all of the things they have to offer for sure. And then, of course, as you mentioned, this is your on year for the Ohio Cup. So you'll be playing on the Saturday, Labor Day weekend. You'll see me there. Uh, I'll be the one with uh, apple pie moonshine in the tent. Uh, (laughs) Is that for Mr. Daly by chance? (laughs) No, he has his own stuff. His stuff is, look, I would never be able to push buttons and and move volumes and do these things that I have to do to put this show on. If I drink his stuff, he's always like, here, try some of this. I'm like, I always forget. No, I don't want to try some of that. Uh, strong. Uh, I can imagine. I just take a drink of that and I'm like, uh, I just think of Dukes of Hazard and, and Uncle Jesse and, and the Boar's Nest and all that stuff. It just, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that stuff's strong. Hey, uh, you brought it up, Bob. Let's go through some uh, of your favorite venues to actually play the the baseball at, and uh, any other place besides Greenfield Village you haven't gotten to yet. I think Greenfield is definitely the the one on my list that I, I really want to hit. Um, there is, I'm going to just absolutely destroy this the name, and it's it's historical and it's near Detroit, and I think it's Hamtrak. Is that right, Ham? Hamtrak? Yes, Hamtrak uh, Stadium. Uh, are you talking about the former Negro League Stadium that they remade? Yes. Yep. And uh, have you ever been there? I have not. We were scheduled to go. They had a grand opening or um, something along the lines maybe a year or two ago when they had just re- refurbished the area, and I wanted to go, and something came up, and I was unable to. So I haven't been back there yet. But those are the two probably on the top of my list of things I, I would really like to, to see. And, and, of course, they're both in Michigan. So um, an Ohio State fan, I, I dare say go up there, but I, I would be happy to play vintage baseball. So, <laughs> You know what hurts? We don't wish Ohio State <laughs> any harm except losing. We, but like gentlemen. Uh, well, I'm a Michigan State person, so, yeah. I don't, okay. I don't really. Well, tell. You know what? They're respectable. I, I, I they, like Michigan State. They have been respectable. They're not respectable right now, Bob. We don't have to have this talk. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I like it so much. You know, <laughs> as long as we can win, I'm okay with it. But uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, we won't we won't bring up those games lately. They they haven't gone our way very, very well, but lately. <laughs> yeah, but when things don't go Ohio State's way, you end up with one or two losses. Bob, you don't know the pain. You don't know the pain. You guys lose. You guys don't make the playoff, and you're like, what a stupid season this was. What a failure. And everyone's talking about firing coaches. Yes. You're, uh, yes. The fan base is a little bit extreme at times. We'll we'll put it that way. Spoiled. Uh, But, you know, yes, that's a fact. Uh, You know, it's funny because Ohio State usually plays the opening of the Ohio Cup a lot of times. And I did not know this. The first time we went, uh, we pulled in and I looked around. I said, the Goodyear blimp is here. This is a big (laughs) event. (laughs) And then I found out it's because Ohio State was playing. But 
second most important. We were all out playing and having a great time at the Ohio History Center. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I keep sidetracking you, but what are the That's what okay. are some of your favorite fields to actually play on that you have? Uh, you know, you brought in Sharon Woods. I, I really enjoy playing there. Um, we got to play at Field of Dreams before all of the changes and the MLB stadiums and all the things came into play that they're looks like they're going to really expand now. Uh, we got to play there and it was, uh, you know, I, I talked to a couple of people and they're like, well, it was kind of neat to play there or whatever. I, they, I don't, it was such an experience. I don't remember playing. That's how much it impacted me. I, I was like on a different I don't know what. I, I don't know if I maybe I drank some of uh, uh, Bob's uh, moonshine that he brought or something. But <laughs> I was just it was uh, unlike anything else I've ever done. The night was perfect. It, it was raining and it cleared off and a beautiful sunset while we played. And uh, that's that's one of my, that might be my top honestly so far. Uh, that's that was a really cool place. Um, as far as so uh, Lexington's got a nice field. They got a historical place there that we played the Waveland uh, Historic Center. Uh, that's a nice venue. Um, you know, anywhere that's pretty well flat, uh, and we don't really have to run into trees. I enjoy. So um, there's oh, a few of those meadows we call. You're them. a man who doesn't enjoy character to the field. Is that what you're saying? I <laughs> I don't mind some character. We used to have Plinko. We call. We, uh, when we were Eastwood, we used to be Eastwood Iron Horses, of course. And then the pandemic hit and they were like, well, you never can play outside again because you're going to get sick and whatever. And we just said, well, we're going to be outside and they, you can have 10 people. Well, we have nine people on each team that play. So that's 18 right there. So that wasn't going to work. Uh, but we had a giant tree we nicknamed Plinko and that where the ball hits is where it, if it lands fair, it was fair. If it landed foul, it was foul. And uh, that was a characteristic. I love that tree. I do miss playing there for that reason, maybe alone, because the geese also enjoyed the field very much. So. You, you guys <laughs> are primarily playing uh, 64 rules, right? Yeah, uh, typically we are now. We have a little bit of order outfield now, uh, including myself, so I, I don't mind as much. Um, of course, it's a challenge when you hit uh, to get a hit when you can catch it on the bound. But yeah, we're, we're primarily, but we'll do, uh, 60, 69, um, you know, we'll, it, wherever we go, we play with the rules that we're given and we're happy to be there. Um, uh, so not a problem, but I can tell by the bitterness in your voice when you said it's a challenge to hit, you must be a big hitter, Bob. Are you a power hitter? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a line drive hitter. And I hit the nice line drives just well enough that they skip right to the outfielder usually. So uh, it's, um, you know, and in mo most games they're nice base hits. And then, you know, it's hard to remember, don't change it. That's a good swing. It's a good hit. Um, you happen to get out, but uh, you, you don't want to change it. When you start tinkering, then you start having problems. And um, I don't mind. I don't mind. You sound like a man that's had many a good hit taken away because of the bound. And I have. You feel it. There's scar in there, Bob. <laughs> it's, it's deep. It's deep. I can't get to it, but it's there. 
Well, you know, there's some fields that, uh, and and uh, rightfully so, uh, and Columbus at both uh, the Ohio Cup and inside uh, the, the field, the Muffin Meadow, uh, where if you hit one over the fence, you're out. And I've done that several times. And I don't have usually that good of power, but when I do hit one, I, I feel a, both happy and then sad because I know that I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, the happiness does not last. Uh, just a heads up, uh, I got a, a scouting report for the Greenfield Village main field. Uh, right field's close. Uh, you don't have to get a hold of it to hit it into the the swamp that's back there causing a, <laughs> causing a strike. I believe it is during the world tournament. I think it's a, a, no, it could be a single. It's a single. And then if you do it in right center field, if you hit it between these trees, it's a double. Uh, they lose a lot of balls on that field. And I, <laughs> I always find it hard for power lefties to hit on that field. Uh, they almost have to learn how to hit it to left center. Yeah, I you know I as I've gotten older, I've uh, attuned my hitting uh, striking to look to the opposite field because we do play again both home you know whichever home field likes to play. Sometimes they play more of the closed fielding next two steps from the bag, and when that happens, there's a giant gap over on the left side, and uh, I have learned to slap through on that side. Uh, to, to to garner the, the the base hit and uh, it usually works pretty well until uh, Yeti's out in left field and then he throws me on at first base. But other than that, uh, again, I hope I don't sound better because he's he's got a tremendous arm and to catch his ball, you have to be a special first baseman to catch that ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor first baseman of vintage baseball. <laughs> So underrated. So I love watching a game and we, and now that we do play by play uh, at games, it's always funny to us. We start laughing immediately when an infielder uh, mishandles a ball and they, they were going to have to hurry anyway, but they mishandle it and they come up and there's fire in their eyes and they're drooling and they're about to uncork a ball that no first baseman's going to catch. What are you doing? And it goes sailing over their head or it, it does a short hop and just goes, and they were never going to get the person out anyway. But it's funny how people just come up like a rabid dog after they muff it and they're just spin and throw. <laughs> they love those fireballs. They absolutely do. <laughs> they have no concern for the first baseman whatsoever. Uh, you know, first baseman probably talk about it all the time. Like, hey, what the hell was that? Slow it yeah. down. Throw it on a bounce. Let's go. I have to catch it for there to be an out recorded. And they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm gonna. And then the ball gets hit. They drop it. They totally forget about anything. Just blah. Uh, forget it. It's time to get the out through it as hard as humanly possible and see what happens. It's it's I've uh I've gotten to play a little bit of first. I haven't experienced anything quite that bad yet, but the only one broken finger so far. But that was the outfield injury, uh, closing my hands a little bit too early, and uh, a lot of fingertips. See this very common in baseball, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fingertips. Oh, yeah. Bob, it's time. All right. 
Yep. Tell me the truth. That just gave you goosebumps. You have goosebumps right now. <laughs> you know, there's uh, nothing like the crawl uh, when you go in, and they got rid of it, but they're bringing it back, so I'm excited. Absolutely oh. ready. I think you just proved what kind of nerd you are. Nobody knows oh, yeah. that. <laughs> Nobody is concerned about the crawl that goes up the screen at the be- I mean it's I mean it's iconic. Everybody knows That's- that the crawl exists, but nobody knows right. that it went away and it's coming back. <laughs> I heard I heard from someone. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got a text from someone. Hey, they're bringing right. the crawl back. All right, so what we're going to do here is a little Star Wars trivia. We're going to find out what kind of a, I think you've proven it already. Just the two things you've mentioned so far. I mean, these are going to seem, uh, these are going to seem stupid. Uh, how long was Han Solo frozen for in the carbonite? Ooh, well, uh, are we talking like, because the uh, Empire Strikes Back came out in like 1980. No, we're talking about, and, uh, we're talking okay. about, uh, <laughs> Storyline timeline. Storyline time. You know that's a, an excellent question. I don't. I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I know the actual answer to that. So I'm going to guess that it was one and a half years. The answer is about one year. That's all I can tell you. There, there is okay. no. Close. It's close. Uh, I don't think I can give it to you, but I can't take it away okay. from you either. So we'll just call that one a tie. We we won't judge you on that one. Who is Boba Fett's father? Oh, that's Django. That's oh, it. Yeah, that was that was pretty. I easy. don't appreciate the tone in your voice when you answer that, Bob. <laughs> but it's it's easy to you. It's not it's not easy to everybody else. Uh, who was Luke Skywalker's gunner during the Battle of Hoth? Oh, that was Dak. God, what species is Greedo? Uh, Rodanian. In what movie did Yoda not appear? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, ooh, this is a good one. Uh, well, New Hope. Correct. Uh, I'm not going to ask you any Ewok questions because I hate them. Thank I you. think it's the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars, and it really turns me off. I never watched that one. Well, you should watch it because a couple of them get shot. No, spoiler alert! But, Whoa, you know, <laughs> you don't, you know what? If it's a spoiler for somebody at this point, they were never going to watch it anyway. I think you're right. Uh, they're just the worst, though. Uh, who killed Jabba? Oh, you know, it's it's a a lot of people don't know this. Not only did she kill him, but she actually used the force. A lot of people think. Yeah, how was Leia strong enough to strangle this guy? But she actually used the Force, and that's how she was able to do it. Okay, Bob, tell me how you know <laughs> she used the Force. How do you know? <laughs> okay, so because it came up a lot of times, you know, a lot of people have questions, including myself. She, you know, she probably weighs ninety-five pounds, and how did she get enough strength to strangle this big giant uh, slug? And and it, it's it's uh, the hut and. Uh, it's did she use the force? It's your opinion, then. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's it's documented on Wikipedia, but you know, I'm not, you know. Oh my I'm god! Not- did you say <laughs> Wikipedia? You don't know Wikipedia? I thought everyone knew this. Oh dear lord! <laughs> Isn't it possible that he's just made out of Jello? 
<laughs> well, you know, I guess it could happen, but uh, I'll stick with my Star Wars uh, Wikipedia as the <laughs> official endorsement. <laughs> uh, who is the only actor to be in all the Star Wars movies? Oh, uh, Anthony Daniels. Uh, who, who are the comedians behind the voice of BB-8? Uh, Bill Hader was one, and they didn't use his voice as much as the other guy. And I, I honestly don't remember the other guy. <laughs> uh, ben Schwartz, only half points on that. Ben, yes, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this: Why does uh, Lando Calrissian? W- I have a theory on this, and I don't know. You're going to know because Wikipedia and all that. (laughs) But I hear this a lot. Why after Han is frozen and gone or whatever, Lando, or at some point, I'm getting the storylines mixed up, but Lando takes the Millennium Falcon, and in the next scene, you see him wearing Han Solo's clothes. What's the deal? You know, I have wondered that because you're right. I think it's a smuggler thing. Now yeah, that's not Wikipedia talking. I think that's just me. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to blow your mind with my theory. This is my theory. Ooh. I have not heard this anywhere because I don't search that out. My theory is Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon from Lando. I think Han right. Solo's wearing Lando's clothes. Ooh. Mm. I you know, I I can almost subscribe to that here's the only question i have about that i don't know that it's quite as colorful as what lando would normally wear but you you're up to something i think i'm gonna i'm gonna have to wikipedia that after we're done here yeah lando doesn't become a big hot shot until much later on he loses that when he's... well except, except in the solo movie which i'm sure you've seen oh yeah yeah i've seen them all yeah Except the Return of the Jedi because you don't like Ewoks. No, I've seen it, which is why I don't oh. watch it anymore. Ah, okay. <laughs> Those, gotcha. That Ewok storyline is awful. I, It takes, I don't know how to put it. The, the Star Wars movies for their time are great in everything, but the right. Ewoks just made it less action-y. Like yeah. more kiddish than yeah, than I felt up, up until that point. I didn't feel kiddish, and then those happen, and I'm like, uh, oh, they're on lunch boxes, and uh, and uh, well, it's interesting because when you look at them, you the stormtroopers. Uh, a lot of questions come up about why do they wear armor in the first place? Uh, it doesn't stop rocks. It doesn't stop lasers. Uh, you probably can't. Them very well, which would explain why they don't shoot very well. Um, so there's a lot of questions on why do they do uh, what they do, and and uh, that's certainly a good example because the rocks, you know, helmets didn't even stop the rocks from hurting. So, well, anyway, uh, <laughs> we've, I will tell you this, and I've said this in previous episodes when Star Wars comes up. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, a definite top ten or probably a top fiver is Rogue One. And Star Wars fans yeah. always say, uh, eh. And I'm like, I don't know. I really? think that's a movie you can watch and you don't even have to know the backstory because they explain it so well what's going on. 
Yeah, it was um, one of my uh, absolutely one of my favorites. And it's, you were exactly right. You don't. There's not a lot, and now they're going back and talking about a lot of it. Uh, the, the the people have changed. The, the fans have really changed. Uh, you know, now they they want to know where somebody came from and what's the story, and they just appeared and what, how did this happen? And and they forget. Uh, you know, slightly in Empire Strikes Back, they talk about the Emperor, and nobody heard of him before that, and nobody freaked out. And and now they have to know your 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 parents, and they have to know the where you came from, and the whole nine yards. So. Yeah, but that's a uh, yeah all timer for me. Uh, as well as all of the Star Trek movies. Okay, uh, Bob, there's something else I know about you that I'd like to talk about for a second before uh, before we let you go. Uh, you worked okay. at you worked at GameStop. I have questions. Oh yes. Okay. You ever work on a Black Friday at GameStop? Oh my gosh! Uh, the reason I left is uh, the place that I went to. I work a nonprofit told me that we were closed not only on Black Friday or on Thanksgiving, but on Black Friday. And they had me right then. I was like, I'm absolutely working for you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a Black Friday story. Do you, do you? You know, I, I do. Uh, there's, uh, there's one year when I first started, uh, Black Friday had just kind of kicked off. That's yes. I'm not old. It wasn't a big deal at the time. And, uh, sure enough, they uh, they asked, what deals do you have? And I said, well, we don't have any. We sell video games. We're, we don't need a sale. Uh, that was the first year I had a Black Friday. And then after that, it was managing uh, people. I worked mostly in a mall and just managing people. We You couldn't, everyone who wanted to come in and shop could not actually be in the store at the same time safely. So we had a line and, and people would get, uh, you know, understandably upset that, they had to wait in a line to even come into the store to shop. Um, so, you know, the video game systems, the Wii's and all of the things that people wanted all these years, uh, we had among Black Friday. And, you know, it, it definitely caused some problems, people being upset. And uh, we some of the people all the time, all the people some of the time, right? Oh, yeah, they'll be upset no matter what. You can't, you can't please everybody. Uh, name a video game or two that caused the biggest stir during your time? Like where you had lines out the door, not on Black Friday, just anticipating the the release of something. Uh, I would honestly, my biggest one was probably Halo. Um, we had oh. uh, 700, yeah, it was like 750 pre-orders or something. We had a radio station broadcasting live. That was oh. one of the biggest ones. And yeah. it was crazy. Um, it's just a lot of people. You, people you had uh, you had a radio station broadcasting live for the release of halo is this the first halo or just a sequel um you know i i want to say it was halo three or maybe halo yeah i think it was halo three so it wasn't even the first one but it just grew and it hyped and and it was unbelievable we got we were i think the highest uh sales on in, in the state of ohio so my boss agreed to get some, you know, company out and we did a live broadcast and it was pretty cool. Um, we had some games set up. We walked around and, and tried to keep the people as engaged and, you know, we couldn't sell it till 12 o'clock at midnight. Uh, but, uh, that, that one was probably the largest, 
that I had, uh, maybe a Call of Duty toward the end of my uh, stint with uh, being at GameStop. But uh, they that was one of the most memorable for sure. All right, Bob. Hey, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to any of these episodes, but I always end the interviews with uh, giving you the old pepper. It's a bunch of quick questions with a bunch of quick answers. I'm not even going to let you uh, answer whether you've listened to any of these or not, but you'll listen to this one. I know that. And uh, <laughs> I do. I do listen to them. Yeah, it's nice of you to say. I think you're like. <laughs> no, I, I do. And, uh, the Mattingly brother one. Oh man. Oh, the Mattingly brothers. They're great. Uh, <laughs> and I don't see, I don't think I'm going to run across you this year. Cause I don't think I'm going to Ohio cup. Uh, I'm changing that to an every other year for me as well. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be on your off year <laughs> because I'm going oh, next well, year you know not what? this year. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I've played roughly with about 20 different teams. So I'm sure I will be up next year playing with somebody. Well, you'll you'll get a call. You'll absolutely get a call. We'll probably run into each other before then, though. I I travel around. It's fun. Here we go. Giving you the old pepper. Do you prefer a napkin or a moist towelette? Napkin. What was your first car? Ooh, Chevy Spectrum. Do you have a hidden talent? No, <laughs> I have no talent. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most famous person in your phone contacts? Ooh, uh, Earl McDaniel. <laughs> You've led a sad life, Bob. Uh, <laughs> is Earl still riding the bike? He is. Absolutely is. Good. Uh, what is your favorite adult beverage? Uh, I'll take a Blue Moon. Oh, do you put a little slice of orange in that? I do. What was your first concert? Um, the David Bowie Nine Inch Nails. What? David yes. Bowie? Who opened for who? <laughs> uh, David Bowie uh, was the act of, uh, featured act in Nine Inch Nails opened for him. Wow. Oh, that's, I was not, I never would have guessed that answer. Uh, last question. There's nine star Wars movies plus the rogue one. Do not Bob, don't give me any guff about all these other things. Okay. There's nine, there's 10 movies. Okay. If you include rogue one, I want you to name them in your, from your favorite to your least favorite. Okay. So we'll start with Jedi, uh, return of the Jedi. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, yeah, uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, um, Revenge of the Sith, and then I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna murmur the other three that came out. There, I, uh, Lucas, I don't know. That those are my six. <laughs> okay, well, you know. <laughs> I don't know anybody who loves every one of them because I just don't trust a man. I don't trust a man or a woman who says they love all of them. It's not accurate. That's correct. I don't love all the diehards. I mean, the last one was terrible. Boy, 
It's great for a Christmas movie, though, right? That's one. Now, you want to talk about the greatest movie of all time. That's Die Hard 1. That's the greatest Christmas movie ever told. Now, Die Hard 2, also a Christmas movie, but not higher up on the scale. It's not that great of a movie, but still kind of a Christmas movie. Lethal Weapon 2, Christmas movie. People don't know these things. Okay. Hey, hey Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it. It's nice to make well, a, thank you. a new friend. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, keep these going. I, I do listen to them and I really do enjoy them very much. So looking forward to seeing and hearing from people all across the coast. All right. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. We'll see you down the line. Have a good all night. All right. Thank you. You too. And now it's time for a roller out the barrel news break. Is your roller out the barrel news break for Thursday, November 24th, 1868. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline, New Bedford, Massachusetts. A trio of games grabbed the spectators' eyes this past week. The Clipper Baseball Club of Lowell faced off against the Eagle Club of Natick. The two were in close quarters through seven full innings. The Clippers then scored eight runs in the eighth inning to take the victory by a final score of 11 to 7. In East Abington, the King Philip Baseball Club crushed the Howard Club by a score of 52 to 18. The King Philip scored 21 runs in the first two innings and cruised despite less than stellar defensive play. Every member of the King Philip Club scored at least four runs, with Mr. Thompson at second base coming around eight times. The most exciting game of the week belonged to the Onward and Independent Baseball Clubs of New Bedford. The Onwards had a 25-11 lead after five full innings, and with a four spot in the top of the sixth, all hope would seem lost. Then the Independents seemingly announced that you are in my little pond now, and I am the big fish that runs it, as they scored 12 runs in their half of the sixth. The Independents found themselves down four with only their bottom of the ninth remaining, but they struck well and evened the game at the end of nine full innings of play an unprecedented event for this area. Mr. Howland of the Wamsutta Club, who was umpiring, listened to the crowd and decided that a 10th inning would be played. The Onwards, not wanting to be known for giving up such a massive lead in such an important game, scored two runs in the 10th and then whitewashed the Independents to take the win by a final score of 34-32. to Today's news break brought to you by Jay Wentworths at 315 Washington Street. Your one-stop shop for cricket bats, batter's gloves, Indian clubs, dumbbells, foul flags, and dressed dolls. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. All right, that was our news break from Jonathan McLean. Uh, and now joining us are the gents... From the West Coast, the Temecula Dear Brothers Vintage Baseball Club. Uh, we've got Gilbert, Stephen, and Mark. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you doing? Uh, great. Good, uh, thank you. We will be joined shortly uh, by my co-host, I would assume. Uh, he's going to show up here at some point. I promise, everybody. Yeah. 15, 20 minutes late. That's, that's not right. That's the way I roll. Uh, yeah, Rudy is uh, Rudy Frias is 
uh, traditionally 15 minutes late. So we moved the start time of the podcast uh, back 15 minutes this week just to anticipate that. And so far, he's an hour late. But that's okay. Uh, he's nothing if not consistent. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Everybody on this podcast, you're talking to people uh, from coast to coast that play vintage baseball uh, by many different rule sets. Uh, here in the Midwest, we are used to 64 a lot, and then there's a, there is a, a 67 uh, niche community of, say, a dozen teams or so. Uh, and then, of course, on the East Coast, they're playing just about everything. And then over on the West Coast, you guys are primarily playing 80s. Uh, what is the year? Well, you know what? We got to do this organized because you guys will start talking all over each other. Which one of you gentlemen is the captain of the team? Hi, that would be Mark. It's me. Okay, Mark, we're going to start with you, and then we're going to oh, go boy. to Gilbert, and then we're going to go to Steven. Uh, I think Steven's microphone is on mute. Uh, you, you might want to unmute. You'll probably, there we go. You'll probably request that later. <laughs> well, yeah. I was keeping it on mute, uh, you know, let the other guys talk a little bit. But all so, right, uh, keep holding mic if you want. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Alia's talk, uh, and we're gonna go in order, so there's no stepping on each other. And then Rudy's gonna come in and not know what the hell's going on. But as long as he gets the brakes <laughs> fixed on his mom's car, that's all that matters. Mark, uh, tell us about yeah. the Temecula Deer Brothers Vintage Baseball Club. How it started? When it started? And, uh, and the name. Well, I guess when it started, 2019, I think, is when we were approached and uh, asked to start a team in Temecula. I work with uh, with a guy that plays on the, the Crestline Highlanders, and, and he knows Wes, and Wes is the one that started this league. And uh, they called, and, and you know, it's kind of out of the blue. Hey, would you like to start a team down there? We're going to have a tryout, and um, we'd like to know if you'd like to be the captain. And uh, so it kind of went from there and, you know, you you get asked to do something like that. And it's like, wow, the challenge is there. I know nothing about vintage baseball. I had not ever seen a game, um, never played in a game. Um, saw a little bit of, uh, of it on YouTube. And that was as much as I had, I had known about it. So we did some research down here and um, we've got a little bit of a history of a, of a ball club down here. Uh, my wife and I went to uh, the Temecula Museum. It's in downtown Temecula and Old Town Temecula. And just kind of looking around for some ideas, something to, to spark an idea for a team and, and, and a logo and maybe colors for a uniform, any, anything that would come our way. And, and uh, we found a team that had been down here in the 18, 1880s, not around that 1886, but it was early 1880s. And um, it was a family, and they were, they were called the Deer Family. That's, they'd come from, from Europe and bought land out here, and they loved baseball. And so they they um, put together their teams and traveled around, and there were I think seven seven family members, and they were all on the team. So we found an old picture of theirs, and and uh, so I snapped a picture of their picture, and uh, I called Wes immediately, and I said, "Man, I think we got it. I think this is what we're going to do." And I think Wes was sick of listening to me, and so he said, "Yeah, just do whatever you're going to do, man." And so uh, and so so that's where it kind of started from there. So the uniforms look really sharp. They're a, they're a dark blue uh, with white belts, white collars. You got a, the blue hat with the white T on it and a white bill on the hat. These are these are very Chicago White Sox 80s-esque 
Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, in a, in a way, uh, but they look they look clean. They look good. The the highlights of the white are uh, real sharp. Uh, Stephen, we, we love that. Stephen, uh, tell me. You know what? I said Gilbert was going to be second. I'm going to catch myself right there. Are you Gilbert, right over Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. Uh, Gilbert, how did you come across the vintage baseball? Uh, when did you come into the club? And uh, give me your first thoughts when you did come across vintage baseball. Yeah, I was uh, actually. So I'm, uh, I live in uh, Riverside, California. So they had like a little. Uh, a little uh, like a street fair and the Riverside smudge pots were actually had a little booth and they were promoting baseball and they had all this vintage stuff. And my wife said, look, come here, look, look, look. Cause I've always loved baseball. I love baseball since I was a kid. And so I went and over and looked and they were all dressed up in the vintage. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And it says, yeah, you know, uh, we're, you should come support us. We're having our playoffs. This was like three years ago. They're having to play off up in uh, an Arrowhead. He said, "You should come look at the, come check out our games." I said, "Okay." So we went the following weekend. We, I looked at, uh, we checked it out, and uh, it was just awesome from the start. Just uh, the old school game going on, no helmets, the little gloves, you know, just throwing the ball around, and the little the dirt, the little uh, sandbags as bases. And I just fell in love. I said, "You know what? I, I like to do this." Yeah. So I asked them and they said, well, we have a waiting list. And, but there's other teams that are forming, so you can go try out with them. So I just went out to tryouts and uh, uh, they directed me to Temecula and I went to try out with Mark and they needed some guys. So here I am. Yeah. No, no try we were just looking for bodies at that point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a hard time trying to fill the team. We were pretty stress to try to fill yeah. a team before the season started and we finally experience. Uh, yeah steven tell me how you came across the club and uh but before that here in the midwest uh there you know it's a big everywhere is a big softball area there's a lot of softball and we find that players when they make the move to vintage they leave the softball behind for the most part a, a very high mm-hmm. percentage of people does that happen out in California or does everybody play both when they get into the vintage? I think, uh, I think I'd say people continue to play well softball. Um, you know, we don't have a huge vintage following. Um, but, uh, I, I play both actually. And I think, uh, Hollywood from our team also plays both. Um, Mikey, Mikey as well. Yeah. Mikey as well. I mean, California, Southern California softball, you could basically play, 10 months of the year. And so they have pretty good season followings for that. And um, so we haven't really had a huge uh, progression into the vintage league yet. And, uh, you know, I think all of us kind of at some point hope it, you know, picks up a little bit more. Um, But yeah, there's a pretty big softball crowd in in Southern California. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just a lot of different leagues in different cities. Tell us how you came across the vintage. Yeah, I came across uh, basically somewhat the same. Uh, my route was a little bit different, though. Um, uh, right around the 2019 final between Riverside and Crestline, I, uh, I was, I'm originally from Riverside as well, like where Gil lives. Uh, but I was talking to my brother-in-law, 
when I was visiting and uh, I was like, hey, this Riverside team exists. And I was watching a few of their games online. They did a few things on YouTube and they did a few things on like Instagram. And so I caught a few things there and I talked to him about it and he was, he shot a text to the team over their Facebook. And then uh, the text came back of, hey, Aaron, good to talk to you again. And it was the curator, uh, Chris, the Riverside captain. I guess they had gone to school together and uh, they went to the, do their credentials together at uh, Cal Baptist. And um, we were, uh, he just told my brother-in-law, Hey, we don't have room on our team. Here's a few other teams uh, that are, are looking for people. And so originally I jumped in with a team called the uh, Paris prospectors, which are uh, just uh, South of Riverside between Temecula and Riverside, oh. basically about uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And I jumped in with that team and long story short, uh, played with them for a few months. Uh, just personalities <laughs> didn't work out together very well. And uh, he's, he's uh, already long. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm the pain. Uh, and they, they basically told me, Hey, go to Temecula. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, this was, this was right. This was right. We did uh, actually, we did two games with uh, Paris. We did a game against a scrimmage against Riverside and a scrimmage against Arrowhead and Arrowhead was still looking for guys too. Um, but um, yeah, they told me, Hey, go to uh, Temecula or, you know, they just, I was ready to leave the team. I just didn't like what was going on. And uh, I told my brother-in-law, Hey, let's shoot a message to this guy, Mark on Temecula, if you want to give this a go. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll try one more. And, you know, maybe we'll like the guys. And so I uh, contacted Mark. They're doing a practice. Um, uh, they're doing a practice the next weekend. And so, we drove out to uh, uh, north of Temecula, Little Marietta field that we play at sometimes and uh, tried out with them and played with them. A tryout. It was, once again, kind of you show up. Actually, the stupid question John I asked Mark. At the, yeah, the stupid question I asked Mark at the end of the practice was, uh, does your team want us? We showed up with three guys, uh, me, my brother-in-law, Aaron. We call him the target because um, he gets hit by pitch every game, basically. And uh, his his brother, which uh, his brother had back issues, and so he kind of never played with us officially, but he tried out. And I said to Mark, uh, does your team want us? And and Mark, in a very Markish way, turned around to all the guys and then turned back to me and said, yeah, you're on the team. <laughs> um, and so, you made it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were like, that was, that was 2020. And so we were uh, supposed to start the season like two weeks later or something. And then uh, – COVID shut us down. I think it was March 2020 and COVID shut us down. And, uh, and we kind of, I think we did one more practice right before COVID or something like that. And then we just kind of kept together over text messages and stuff like that. Uh, and then um, when we finally started up, we played one game in the summer of 2020. And then we did a few small practices when everyone felt comfortable in the open sunshine and open air. And uh, then we started our, our first full season in 20. 2021 uh but uh yeah it kind of uh, hooked me in right away with the stupid glove uh, that's basically just like a a worker's glove and uh I, I bought a catcher's mitt right away because i used to catch when i was younger and uh that was a mistake because now you own the catcher's mitt and you're the catcher for a you're while that's right that's how that yeah. works uh i got a 40 ounce bat and started swinging around and uh you know, I mean, I you know love baseball, and so it kind of brought back, hey, maybe I can actually do this for a little bit longer. You know, I play competitive softball-ish. You know, I'm not like one of the best players, but I can probably be on the field. So I thought I could be on the field with our vintage baseball team, and 
they basically said I could be out there every other inning, and uh, that's where it's at at this point. So, you know, but I'm I'm on the team, and we're having a good time, just you know, playing ball. All right, we're here talking to some gents from the Temecula Deer Brothers Finnish Baseball Club. Their next their next home game and their next game is June 24th against Redondo Beach. Uh, we are talking to the captain, Mark uh, Morsolino. Morsolino. That's good. <laughs> Morsolino. Uh, we're also talking to Gilbert Rojas and Stephen Smith. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to flex right now. Uh, I do this on the podcast whenever I talk to people. It's important for them to have a space to go ahead and talk about the greatest things they've ever accomplished in vintage baseball. So I'm going to go down the line. We're going to start with Mark. Mark, give me a memory uh, of your best game, your best moment, your best play, your best hit, something along those lines. Man, I don't have many, so it shouldn't be too hard. I was going to say that my best thing, the greatest thing that I've had done in vintage baseball since they, you know, they designed this thing and put us down here in Temecula was putting this team together and coming together as a bunch of friends. Um, you know, we, we play hard. We, we, you know, we were very competitive on the field, but afterwards we all get together. We, the other team comes with us. Um, just for an example, this last, last game, we went to our sponsor, which is a beer, beer place, Smecula Valley Brewing. And um, Steve's brother-in-law, Aaron, um, they're, they're due. Him and his wife are due to have a baby. We had a shower. The women on the team put together this shower thing afterwards. And it was like a surprise shower. Everybody was surprised. We've done that a couple of times. So I guess, I mean, on the field, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a damn good hitter. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I did, my wife's reminding me I got a triple, which was, I, I was sore for three days after that. Um, <laughs> But just the team, putting the team together, having the team and having the camaraderie that we have um, and hearing other teams when they come into town, I, I just think that then they talk about how we are and what our team is all about. Um, I think that's the greatest accomplishment. That's something I'll never forget. I think that's, you know, I'll take that with me every day. I'm not sure if that answered your question. <laughs> you answered the question the way that you wanted to answer it. So you did. Uh, let's move on to Gilbert. Gilbert, <laughs> you, you got a memory? Uh, I have. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, so when I saw the, 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 the game for the first time that so I wanted to play, I hadn't played in 20 years. It's been when my boys started playing ball, I started coaching, and I hadn't picked up a bat or done anything for 20 years. So I got out there to play, and, you know, it's just like riding a bike. You don't forget how to throw or catch. You know, it was a little challenge to catch with a little workman's glove, but – just the, the feel of getting back out there was, to me, was an accomplishment that I could still do it. Three years later, and uh, they call me Handyman, but I think at this point they, they should call me Hammyman because I <laughs> usually blow out my hamstring. And, uh, you know, so uh, Every- that in, in itself is that uh, I, I could get back out there and play on the field and contribute. I think I'm, you know, pretty decent. Uh, I play first base. I'm not the tallest guy, but I can catch the ball. And I think, uh, was it two seasons ago? I I could still pitch. So I pitched one game for five innings and yep. did pretty decent. But, uh, that was an accomplishment. It made me feel good. After 20 years, I still could do something. <laughs> you know, every club's got I mean, the guy been, that always blows on his hammies. 
I mean, everyone's got yeah. one, where you see him That's rounding me. first, going for second. You're like, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> uh, Steven, how about you? You got some memories, personal ones? Uh, yeah, I got a few. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go with the one uh, that always made me laugh was uh, we were oh. playing Paris. We were playing Paris, and uh, I got on. I was batting third for some reason. I don't know why I'm batting third. But uh, our big guy, um, the hammer's behind me. And uh, I think uh, I got on with two outs. So I got on to first base. Paris was, you know, mentally my rival because, you know, uh, I, I left them and stuff like that. And uh, if you ever check out our Facebook, we have a – we for our first season, we did a lot of good pitchers and stuff like that. And I, I've kind of fallen off the, uh, uh, off the rails on that. I need to pick up on it. But anyway, uh, it was – first inning and uh i got on first and um the hammer just belted one out there i mean no fence it just went on for days and uh i'm not the fastest guy you know i was you know 38 or 39 at that point and i don't run as well as i used to and so i'm just rounding second and by the time i'm rounding second like i could already see charlie the hammers catching up to me pretty quick and then by we have a few pictures of this by the time i get the third Charlie is halfway between second and third. And I'm just like, I look back and I'm like, oh, crap. And my, my wife, who's taking pictures uh, at the time, um, she just said that I had the stupidest grin on my face, <laughs> just trying to run for my whole life. Because Charlie's a, Charlie's a big boy. Like, Charlie is six two, six three. Yeah. You know, it, it, um, you know it, he's a weightlifter. He's an athlete. You just tell that guy is a beast. And you don't want to run it. You got that guy run over you. And so I, I got home, and I'm not joking. I got home, and I turned around, and Charlie was right there, and I was telling him to get down because the play was coming in. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, uh, when I bat in front of Charlie, whenever a game popped up like that, my, my wife always loved to take pictures of my face as Charlie was basically running <laughs> me down. And, um, you know, that kind of always stuck with me. I'll also tell uh, another one. Um, you know, I mean, Mark mentioned how close we were as our group. But um, – my wife passed away a year ago and um uh <clears throat> these guys were there you know simple as that you know uh <clears throat> you know kind of the family portion of things these guys were there for me uh vintage baseball clubs tend to grow into a pack of brothers uh yeah and yeah. uh so they tend to get very close uh not all the wives do uh, but the, the, they're not the ones playing on the field, uh, every, every week and stuff. So it, there's just something about being between the lines with eight other guys. It's a, it's a hard sport to play unless you get eight other yeah. guys. Uh, you, yeah, got, yeah. You, you gotta have a full squad to, to really get the full enjoyment out of it. And the bonding that happens because of baseball and in vintage baseball, but in all forms of baseball except softball, uh, <laughs> is, is 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 really amazing. So when somebody goes through something like like Stephen had to go through, uh, he does yeah. have the benefit of nine or ten other brothers uh, to lean on, and uh, and that's one of the biggest draws to uh, vintage baseball across the entire country. And yeah. we started that team with the. Nobody knew anybody. I knew Charlie, uh, the hammer, as, uh, as Steve was talking about, and um, and we all kind of came together through practices and games and just getting together after games and 
Gilbert's opened up his house to us after games and we've had pool parties and stuff. And it's, it's just in three years, three and a half years, we've come together to where we, we know each other's families, you know, pretty closely. It's, it's uh, it's a pretty awesome experience. So, you know, finished baseball is awesome. It's like you said, like it's super hard to play. You got this little tiny glove, you got this super hard ball and it comes at you pretty quickly. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's uh it's 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 more than just a game it's 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 the people that play uh mark you said something earlier that i wanted to circle back and ask you about when you had no experience prior and they ask they well they suggest you being the captain of a new vintage baseball club there must be something about you i that i have to know what it is that they knew. Are you uh, like OCD? Do you have like an office job that you're very organized at? Something had to scream. This is a guy who could put it together. What is it that we they, don't prob- know yet? they probably went through a list of a thousand guys and everybody said no. And I was, they just caught me in the right mood. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like I said, I, um, I, I work with one of the guys off of the team in the league um, off of the Highlanders, uh, Chris Dodd. And so he's really good friends with the guy that, that established the league. So I think Chris might have gone in there and, and uh, threw my name in the hat. But yeah, I've got to, you know, I, I try to be as organized as I can. Communications is a huge deal of what we do. Here, here, here's how much like Steve is committed. Steve drives from Ridgecrest down to Temecula. How many miles is that, Steve? I, I don't know. I can, it's at least 90. It's at least I can legally, I can legally make it to Temecula in about. Two hours and almost a three hour commute for this guy. So, um, it's, you know, wow. it's, you know, it's about 180 I, miles. It's about 180 miles. 180 miles. I was halfway yeah. there. I got halfway there. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Roller, I'm, 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 we're ba- I'm basically the, I'm basically the closest city to Death Valley. So there's a reason why I try to leave off. You know. <laughs> Steve, yeah, Matt, I, Matt, I I, I'm not sure why they asked me, but, um, you know, I'm glad they did. You know, in the beginning, it was like it was this, just this huge thing. I had no no direction, no idea which way it was going to go. And uh, and, you know, sitting here today, I'm, you know, reflect on it. It's it's it's, it's super great. I mean, it's just been a, a fun time. This has been great. Well, it looks like you got uh, plenty of club members, at least from the pitchers I see. Uh and they're dirty where they should be. And uh, <laughs> so you guys are having fun. Uh, you're yeah. you're playing with a from what I I've done some episodes with the California boys and uh, there's a lot of attention drawn to some of those clubs. So you're getting some of that in your in your newness and it's definitely helping you with that. Uh, the smudge pots for crying out loud. They they draw oh, enough team. attention to themselves for everybody. In the <laughs> they <league>. have <laughs> full-time advertisement there. Those guys are great. They are really yeah. good. I don't. I don't think they fired the cannon last time we played them. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, <laughs> their pregame is about fifteen minutes, and they got. I, I think they had a flyover one time, and they did a. Are you kidding? Oh, that's not true. <laughs> it, that can't it's be insane. true. It is insane. There's no oh, way they they a drone, a drone flight. I think there's an airport somewhere close, and it just happened to be when we were there. <laughs> they, but somebody saw it coming, and they're like, "We did that." 
<laughs> yeah, oh. exactly. Wave to the yeah. No, it, it, the the LA Times is, has done some articles on us, which is a big big publication out here. Um, a local a local uh, newspaper, the Press Enterprise, has done some some nice things on us. So, yeah, the league gets you know we we get a lot of good publicity from um, from people just interested in what we're doing. It's a, it it's it's cool that there are that there's people out there they just want to come and see what we're doing. It's it's pretty unique. Uh yeah. It's uh the the uniforms bring them in, and then it's everything you do after that is how you keep them. So yeah, that that and the bat off the ball. I mean that once that they hear that, that sounds once, yeah yeah that sound right there just gets it like what is that all about? It's uh it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty amazing to do. Have hey, you Matt? Have you played any? of that of 1886 or no, I, I have not. So, so I've played 64 and 67, uh, for a while on and off for 10 years. And, uh, I went to old Beth page last year and saw 84 in person for the first time. And it blew me away. And I really want to bring mid eighties, baseball to the midwest because we don't have any in michigan and ohio uh pennsylvania kentucky we don't have any of that there's not a team there's teams that will play it but there's no scheduling or any of that sort so uh uh yeah i've i've watched some of your guys's videos on youtube and stuff mm-hmm. and uh i think i watched the championship game from two years ago uh okay yeah. but i have i have Yes. Uh, I have talked to Riverside. I've talked to a couple other clubs. So, uh, there's, like I said, there's always a, a great reaction to the episodes that, that have you California gentlemen, everyone's uh, interested in what's going on out there. And I know that there's a, there's a club here in Michigan called the Canton corn shuckers. They travel, they play everybody and anybody on at any rules and, and they're really? the greatest thing that we have in, in Michigan vintage baseball is the Canton corn shuckers. And they, I mean, they're going to Colorado uh, this month and they've went to, they go everywhere I've gone, but we have no relationship like scheduling wise, but they were at old Beth page. Uh, I'm going to Rhode Island for the Rocky point vintage baseball festival. They're going to that. And I know that the captain has said that they're looking at California. So really, uh, they're very we're in wine country. We're yeah, come on out, yeah, wine and beer. <laughs> uh, uh, they're they're young guys that are just getting just getting into the point of having responsibilities, but <laughs> but but they're not old enough to take them seriously yet. So so they travel well. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. That's fine. That would be fun to do. That would like to, I'd love to see somebody come out or, or, or meet somewhere. We had uh, we had something set up with the Bay Area team, um, the Pelicans up there, and we were going to meet in San Luis Obispo, but we had a, a real wet winter here, and so it, we, we were washed out. We couldn't do it. But I think that's that's what we'd love to do is is get get some travel in, get, move into you know some different areas and play. I'd like to introduce the evidence that that was my idea. <laughs> no, because I don't remember who I interviewed. You can, but you can go back in the archives and you can find it. 
I was talking to somebody and I said, you guys should meet halfway with the other guys every year for an event. And, and that would bring you two closer together. You just do it once because it's long travel and all that. And sure enough, it started after that interview happened. Look at that. Is it a coincidence? Okay. Right. I don't know it. if it's you a coincidence it. or not. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna take it. That. <laughs> it's a good idea. Whenever, yeah. whenever I talk to somebody about how they were going to play in that halfway match, I always refer to it as the Barrel Roller Classic. So you were going to play in the roller right? The thing that I <laughs> created and had nothing to do with. Uh, Very good. <laughs> well, then you know what? Hey, Matt, I think what you'd have to do is you'd have to come out and announce the game. You'd have to call it. Well, I do, I do travel and I do play by play. Uh, and we just started actually doing videos too, but I don't think you guys need any help with that. But, uh, uh, yeah, California is definitely in my future, but I'm just one guy and just a podcast guy. We need to get the Canton corn shuckers out there. Uh, yeah, playing some California baseball so they can bring the stories uh, and the experience back here uh, and share with everybody. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and uh, telling everybody more about California baseball and the Temecula Deer Brothers Finnish Baseball Club. Uh, Mark, the captain, Stephen, and uh, Gilbert, you guys have been great. I appreciate you. And, uh, and uh, I thank you for showing up for this because when they're dealing with California, it's hard to get people out. (laughs) Well, we appreciate the invite. Thank you very much, Matt. Absolutely. You guys have a good night and, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking soon on some level, uh, I assume. So you guys take care of yourselves and I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank Thank you guys. Have a good night. You too. All right. So there it is. It's uh, the episode of the Temecula Deer Brothers Vintage Baseball Club. What a bunch of great guys, by the way. Uh, So easy to talk to. Uh, I mean, go to their Facebook page and and like their page, and uh, you'll see their, their snappy uniforms. They just look so sharp, and I can't wait to get out to California and to experience uh, some of this baseball that they're playing out there. Uh, I'm so excited to do it. And uh, also earlier, Bob Bear, uh, Boomer from the Iron Horses of Erie Railway. Great guy. Uh, Lots of good baseball talk there. And a lot of Star Wars talk uh, happened there as well. And... And you know what didn't happen? Rudy never showed up. So anyway, so I'm just going to, you know, there's a couple of tidbits I want to get to here. One, don't forget to go to the YouTube page. We're downloading videos. Uh, We have the third match of the Flat Rock Invitational just about done. So I would expect uh, within the week that's coming out. Uh, Then we'll do the fourth one after that. Uh We also have the Akron Cup coming up where we are going to be on location with the podcast, doing audio, doing video. Uh, And on Saturday of the Akron Cup, I believe that's July 8th, we're doing the Mightiest Striker and the Gingerly Gentleman. Now, if you're not familiar with these, the Gingerly Gentleman is a race. 
It's a 16-person t- tournament. Uh, one guy starts at home. One guy starts at second. It's a bracketed tournament. So on on the go, they run around the bases and get back to where they started. First one back to where they started, moves on to the tournament. It's just that easy. And then we do the Mightiest Striker, which is a long-distance hitting contest, which obviously there were no walls and no home runs like that back then. Uh, so we just measured distances in uh, longest distance wins, and it's a bracketed 16-person tournament where one striker gets so many swings, the next striker gets the same amount of swings, and whoever hit it the farthest moves on in the tournament. Now, the best part about these tournaments is they happen at the same time. So you will have a striker and his opponent declare the winner of that match, and then you have two gingerly gentlemen come up and do their race. Winner of that moves on, then two mightier striker. It is a fantastic event to watch, to be a spectator for. It will not be boring. It's constant action. Some have told me maybe too much action. I don't believe in such a thing. Uh, Also, a thing that I promised I would talk about tonight is I always update the top 10 most downloaded episodes of the Roller Out the Barrel show. I believe we're on episode 197. Well, this is 197, so uh, we have had a new episode come into the top 10. So here's a... Here's the top 10 as they, as it were. Season 3, episode 27, is the Crestline Hill Highlanders. And you heard the boys from Temecula talk about Crestline. Uh, they were the Heritage Cup champions uh, from the last season. Um, that is by far, far and away, the most downloaded episode in the history of this podcast. It's not even close. It's still not even close. Uh, in second place is uh, Season 2, Episode 23, Anthony, the Dirty Pirate Canino, one of my favorite people I've ever come across in vintage baseball. He's from the Atlantic's Baseball Club of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and that episode was on top all the way from when it happened until that Crestline episode dropped. Uh, oddly enough, the next episode after the Crestline Episode happened is season three, episode 28. And that was an episode where we had Paul, the rooster Mensler, Menser. I'm sorry. I put an L in there. I don't know why, Paul. It's Menser. Uh, The Belleville Stags of Missouri. And we also had a pre, like a warm up with David Blanchard, who is very familiar with the Field of Dreams. He does the Field of Dreams report on Facebook. Uh, that is in third place. If you need any Field of Dreams information on what's going on currently and in the future with the site and the things that have happened and continue to happen, whether you like it or you don't, at least David Blanchard showed up and gave everybody the information. So a lot of good information on there. In fourth place is Season 3, Episode 25. Uh, That was Keith Boomer Walters, another one of my favorite people in vintage baseball, from the Rochester Grangers here in Michigan. Uh, and we also had a warm up of Michelle O'Connell from uh, an, a newly formed Arizona Women's Club that was actually playing 
in the men's league. So they were a woman's club in a men's league playing the men every week. And, uh, and that episode went over big, uh, Michelle and Keith, both great to talk to. I mean, when you get that kind of personality, uh, out of your guests, uh, you know, it's a, it's a winner like tonight's and, uh, Keith actually talks about how he'd like to end a retired former Detroit Tigers pitchers, uh, secondary career. So, uh, go ahead and look that up. Then in fifth place, it's season one, episode 29. That's Jeff Inc. Hicks, the, the newly crowned captain of the Saginaw Old Golds, the historic Old Golds from here in mid-Michigan. And then in seventh, we have an episode that was that is labeled Roller Out the Barrel Extra, number four. And that was a interview with Daniel Jones. And we talked about 21st Century Town Ball. This was back in March of 2020, and uh, that episode has stuck around the top ten ever since it happened. Uh, and then here is the new the new episode. Uh, that Town Ball episode was number six. In seventh is now the interview we did with Brent Barnes, the captain and founder of the Alliance Crossing Rails. And we did a warm-up with the gents from Georgetown, the Georgetown gentlemen. Uh, that episode has shot up the charts and is now uh, the first season four entry into the top ten of all time. And it keeps rising, so I don't know how how high it's going to get. It's never going to get to number one. That's a challenge, but it ain't going to happen. Uh, next uh, at number eight is season two, episode two. That's Philip Coco Hayes from the Canton Corn Shuckers. Uh, and ninth is episode, the first episode I ever released. Uh, barely hanging on to the top 10 now is uh, Mike Marbles Feeney, the captain of the Canton Corn Shuckers. My only regret is that I didn't hold off and do Mike Feeney later i knew i had to come out strong with my first guest to make it interesting for people to actually even want to bother to listen so i did mike feeney but i'm just and it was fun i had it was a fun interview but the dude has so much knowledge about vintage baseball i don't even think i i don't even think i got into that very much now mike's been on the show three or four or five times who knows by now but i feel like if i would have waited a couple of seasons that it'd be a different interview, but I don't want to redo it because you've heard it. Most of it. I don't know what direction it would go into. So it's a, you don't want to do that. I don't want to bore anybody, but uh, I just think about that. And then number 10 is actually Mike Feeney. Again, it's a world tournament special number eight that we dropped on August 23rd, 2021. And I refer to it as when Mike, Feeney goes heel. So that was at the world tournament at Greenfield village. And uh, he had some interesting things to say in that interview. And that's a short one, uh, a shorter one than, than what we've been doing uh, lately. I mean, look at, I'm still talking. It's almost an hour, an hour and 40 minutes into this episode. So we're going to call this one. Good. Rudy never showed up. <laughs> Rudy. Rudy, where, where, where'd, you, 
Rudy. Rudy. Rudy.